Hi, this is Lisa, and you are listening to I Love That Movie. This podcast is for movie lovers. It's not an unbiased opinion. It's not a straightforward review. It's just a couple people talking about a movie that they love. The format is each week I have a guest, and that guest and I discuss a movie that they love, something they're obsessed with, something they connect with. We'll talk about the plot, the director, and the actors, but we'll also talk about the personal connection my guest has with that movie. So if that sounds like something you want to listen to, keep listening. This is Lisa, and you're listening to I Love That Movie. And if you want to find me on Twitter, you can find me at ILTM Podcast. I'm also on Instagram, I Love That Movie Podcast. And we have a Patreon, uh, www.patreon.com slash I Love That Movie. Uh, this show is always free, but if you want to support us on there, you can. And right now, we are uh, reviewing all the episodes of The Mandalorian, starting with Season 1. Uh, my guest today was actually on one of those episodes. Um, so we um, cover it every week. I have guests, and yeah, it's a lot of fun. Um, and I want to take a moment to thank my top patrons. They are Chris Balga, Michael Cross, and Philip Barker. Thank you guys so much for keeping the lights on. Uh, we also have a website, a Discord, and a Facebook group. And um, if you like what you heard today, please subscribe and rate the podcast. It does help new listeners find us. And I want to welcome a guest today. I have Jared with the Nerd Knighted Nations podcast. Hi, Jared. Hello. Hey, thanks for having me. Hey, um, you know, long time no chat. <laughs> yeah, it's been a while. Been a whole week. <laughs> a whole week. Um, yeah, you rec- uh, we talked about the episode of The Prisoner of The Mandalorian Season 1, which is a great episode. Um, but you are back here today to talk about a movie instead. But um, if people haven't heard your voice in the podcast before, why don't you introduce yourself a little bit? Well, first of all, I must say I'm grateful now that people don't have to pay to hear my voice. They can just hear it for free this time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's behind that paywall. <laughs> yeah. But um, my name is Jared. I'm a, by day, I'm just a blue-collar warehouse worker. By night, I'm an amateur podcaster, a, a huge nerd, and a movie lover, uh, even to the point where one of my focuses in college when I went for my computer graphics degree was in video and I even took a movie class. So that's how much I, I love movies. I just love movies my whole life. So I think I found the perfect podcast to come on to and talk about that. That's awesome. I love hearing about that. So many guests have, you know, an educational background in movies or, you know, they worked in movies or that, you know, they, everybody has like a really good connection. So I always love hearing about that. Um, so, Jared, uh, my guest always picks the movie. So what movie did you choose to talk about today? Well, I picked the seminal Christmas classic, Gremlins. Yeah, 1984, Gremlins. Um, you know, right now, if you haven't tuned in our, our other episodes, we are in the middle of Christmas season. So, you know, uh, we've done Elf and now Gremlins, and, you know, that's going to continue all month. Uh, we kind of had a Thanksgiving one even when we did Knives Out. <laughs> but um, 
So Gremlins, uh, when did when did you first see this movie? That was well, I was trying to rack my brain for that because I'm I was kind of a scaredy cat as a kid. I'm too young to see it in the theater. It came out a few months before I was born, so I'm almost certain that I saw Gremlins two, the new batch, first before mm-hmm. I saw it. But my gut tells me I want to say I was probably in middle school the first time I saw this film all the way through. That sounds like a good age for this movie. Um, I I, yeah. I can relate to the scaredy catness of being a child. I uh, my my favorite story to tell people is there was this Canadian movie called The Peanut Butter Solution. Have you heard of this movie? I have not. Okay, um, it's wild. Um, I I'm not gonna get into the plot. That's a rabbit hole that we won't come back from. But look it up or look up a trailer. It is the strangest film, one of the weirdest movies I've ever seen. But anyway, it scared me to death as a kid, and it wasn't a scary movie. <laughs> That's how sensitive I was. Well, um, well you, you definitely have my kitten intrigued because she's <laughs> oh yeah, the I see. Uh, you know, our guests can't see it, but you probably heard a little jingle. That was um, your your kitty cat. What's your cat's name? Uh, this one is Little Miss Binks. Little Miss Binks. I have Aww. two cats. Yeah. <laughs> he just wanted to get She's in on the podcast. She's my horror movie buddy, actually. So. Oh, really? Okay. So she helps out. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like... Well, she does. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, so I, I can relate to being scared. But if, if the people that do know what that movie's about, they're like, how, how would that scare you? But um, I think I saw this movie... I didn't really grow up with this one as much. Like, this wasn't as big on my radar. So I feel like I was a teenager or an adult by the time I saw it. Um, I don't know why it took that long. Um, It could have been that my family was like, okay, this kid gets scared of everything, so let's not show her that. Um, I don't know, but I'm glad that I saw it now. (laughs) And I'm glad we're talking about it tonight. (laughs) Um, Before we go too much further, though, I will warn everyone, if this is your first time listening, we do talk spoilers. So you might want to go watch this movie and then come back. Um, but here is the synopsis. A boy inadvertently breaks three important rules concerning his new pet and unleashes a horde of malevolently mischievous monsters on a small town. Short and sweet. Well, to be fair, I think Corey Feldman breaks the do not get them wet rule, not Zach Galligan. <laughs> that's, that's true. That's true. I think, it, yeah, uh, it wasn't necessarily his fault. Um, but yeah, so you know, not not a not a serious you know winding plot, but this is this is basically a kids movie, kind of. I mean, it's a little dark, like you said earlier. It, it is movie. it is rated PG. <laughs> and didn't it, um, along with Indiana Jones, sort of move the needle towards PG thirteen ratings? Yes, it did. It was. It, this is the, these are the two movies that they think of when they say PG thirteen. Because I don't think PG thirteen came around to like nineteen eighty seven. Wow. So they always usually associate Gremlins and Temple of Doom with uh, getting the PG-13 movement going. You know, the 80s were wild. Like, there were so many things that passed as PG. Like, I'm thinking of, like, Airplane. (laughs) And it's like, you know, wow, yeah. um, Seeing that now and knowing how strict, you know, a lot of writing systems are now, um, it's just interesting to go back and look at stuff like that. But, um Next, I want to talk a little bit about, I've got a couple of quick facts I wanted to share. I'm sure you do too, so I'll share mine, and then uh, if you want to jump in, you can, and share yours as well. So, 
Uh, the first one that I have is the set for Kingston Falls is the same one used for Back to the Future. Uh, both movies yeah. were filmed on the Universal Studios backlot. You can tell from the movie theater, too. It's like essentially the same movie theater as uh, Pleasant Valley. Is it Pleasant Valley? Yeah. I think it's, is it Hidden Valley? Hill Valley. Hill Valley. Hill yeah, Valley. Hill Valley High. I was like, I have the jacket <laughs> in my closet. So, um, yeah. And at one time I had a school ring. It, yeah, I had a little bit of an addiction. Um, but, yeah, uh, that's... There's so many older movies that are like that. You know, I feel like nowadays people probably go on that tour at Universal Studios uh, in L.A. and they think like, oh, they're like, here's where we film this and that. And, you know, young people might be like, mm, maybe this is just like rebuilt and they're just like telling me that. But it's like, no, I mean, a lot of movies were shot like on these back lots on these sets and they were right there and you can still go see them if you take a tour. Uh, not now, but um in normal times, you could go see them. <laughs> um, uh, Melissa and I were just doing an episode on the uh, Three Grinch films last night. And, oh, yeah. And uh, we were talking about how Ron Howard's Whoville was built on the back lot by the uh, Bates Motel. And that uh, during <laughs> breaks breaks in filming, Jim Carrey would run out of the Bates Motel in a dress with a knife and like, try to scare tourists and surprise tourists. That is incredible. That is hilarious. <laughs> I love that. Um, another quick fact that I had was that this film was released on the same day as block as a uh, blockbusters. I don't know. I'm just it's the 80s. I'm thinking about blockbuster. Uh, the film was released Aww. on this. I know. I'm so sorry. <laughs> womp womp. Uh, the film was released on the same day as Ghostbusters. That's what I meant to say. And it, it only fell a million dollars short of Ghostbusters 2. It, it, Gremlins finished at number two. That's crazy. I didn't know that. See, that's yeah. again, it's weird how like everyone has like a different experience growing up. Because similarly to you, like 1984 was uh, one year after I was born. So I was not out seeing this um, and, and saw it a lot later. But yeah. Oh, wow. I, I didn't realize that they were out the same day. I didn't realize it did that well. That's really cool. Well, if you go back and if you go back in time, knowing what you know now, which movie do you see in the theater June 6, nineteen eighty four? Do you see Ghostbusters or do you see Gremlins? Probably Ghostbusters. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, and and some of that is you know nostalgia, like growing up with it. Um, but you know what? Maybe I would stay a little late. I mean, when I was a kid, sometimes I saw movies back to back. Maybe I'd see them both. I don't know. There you go. I had more time to kill back then. Um. So the last one I had was that Zach Galligan uh, recounted in an interview that when the movie was made, there was no CGI. So all the gremlins were animatronics, each costing between thirty and $40,000. Uh, when everyone left the lot for the day, security would have everyone open trunks of their cars just to make sure none were stolen. I do remember reading that one. Um, <laughs> I also read an IMDb that they had an early attempt was to have monkeys play the gremlins. Oh my God. And they put a, they put a mask on a test monkey and the monkey started freaking out. So they scrapped that idea. They were like, this is, you know, I mean, there's a lot of issues, honestly, with um, animals in movies. Um, but one of them is that they're unpredictable. They're animals. They're not actors. <laughs> you know? yeah. So yeah, I can imagine. Um, and yeah, a bunch of little monkeys running around. I don't know. I don't know about that. I'm glad that they're animatronic. Um, 
that was all I had. Did you have any that you wanted to kind of toss in before we go further? Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, going off what you said about the puppets and or the animatronics and everything, uh, one I read about was the gizmo puppet, that it was so well done that in the scene where Billy's opening the box and gizmo pops up for the first time, the dog played in Barney, mistaking it for a real creature. <laughs> So it kind of freaked out a little bit when it saw it. So that growl that you hear when Barney sees Gizmo is a genuine growl because it kind of freaked him out a little bit. <laughs> That's so, so that cute. <laughs> and then uh, I think you'll appreciate this fact I saw on IMDb, whether or not it's true. But uh, Steven Spielberg was originally considering our boy Tim Burton as a directing choice. Ooh, I would love after, to after, see after, that movie. After seeing a couple of his shorts, so which I have to assume it'd probably be Frankenweenie and, and maybe Vincent if they were out at that time, because it was before he did Pee Wee's Big Adventure. So wow, that would be a different film, and I would like to see that version. <laughs> if um, if they went the dark route they originally were, were supposed to go with the movie, I I think he'd be perfect for it. Yeah, well, I, I'm sure we'll talk about the the dark route that he went. It looks like instead. It was Joe, uh, sorry, yeah, Joe Dante, uh, who directed like Inner Space, The Howling, um, and other movies like that. And it was written by Chris Columbus. Yep. Who wrote Goonies, The Young Sherlock Holmes, and he directed Home Alone, Harry Potter, uh, the first and second one, and one of my favorite movies, Adventures in Babysitting. Yeah. Uh, it's a is he part of the new one too i think they was working on a third gremlins film is he part of that one oh too? really I thought um he was. that i mean i actually i just watched last night um that chris is it called christmas chronicles with kurt russell uh oh, i've seen the first one i haven't seen the second yeah one and yet. he directed that too but let me look and see if he's gonna direct uh another gremlins movie that's worth looking at for sure yeah, right. it says That'd executive producer at, at the very least. Um, yeah, I think right now it says executive producer, but involved, we'll say. Cool. Um, I knew there was a cartoon. I knew there was a cartoon coming, but I didn't know if they were going to do an actual movie or not. Yeah. Oh, also rumored producer of Five Nights at Freddy's. <laughs> wow. That's what I. That's where I heard his name too. That yeah. that movie's been in development hell for a long time. Yeah, it really has. <laughs> but you know, sometimes they they come out after a long time, so we'll see. It says he's in pre-production, supposedly. So um, everything's kind of up in the air right now, obviously. So um, yeah. Well, I just kind of wanted to touch on that a little bit. Um, I think I thought of Chris Columbus too because last year I watched the. Uh, um, behind the scenes for home alone on the movies that made us which was like a super interesting episode um and so i've just kind of had him on my mind um as we get back into the christmas season but let us move forward and let's talk about some of your favorite scenes of the movie oh thinking it over ironically most of my scenes involve the gremlins themselves like that's when i think a lot of the great parts of the film pick up actually one of my first favorite scenes i wrote down was uh when billy's mom takes on the gremlins in her kitchen did the the original batch for satch did that give you alien vibes like was that on purpose you think it was very like ripley to me (laughs) 
a little bit. And I also think they said that the, the pods that they grew in were supposed to be a nod to uh, Invasion of the Body Snatchers, too. Ah, the pods okay. of the gremlins uh, go into. But, uh, yeah, it did. I just love the uh, – what's the song? Is it Do You Hear What I Hear playing on the – on the record player in the background yes. too, while she's wiping all these gremlins out in her kitchen. <laughs> and uh, I was going through the IMDb trivia while I was watching it the night, and there's a scene where the part in the scene where she's stabbing the one gremlin on the counter with a knife. I guess they wanted to add on to that and have like the gremlin try to pull the knife out. Oh my they said gosh! That would have been too dark or whatever it was, <laughs> but you could still see the gremlin moving on the counter in the background. <laughs> As I'm looking through, you know, obviously I watched this, and then as I'm looking through the pictures, I do remember my parents being like, you can't watch this. <laughs> so it must have been controversial at the time. Um, yeah, I really enjoyed that scene. I liked, I, it felt like it was definitely a nod to something, and, um, you know, Invasion of the Body Snatchers, that makes a lot of sense, but it was definitely one of the best scenes in the movie, for sure. Plus, she worked so hard on those Christmas cookies, too, and those things just get gobbled up right away. <laughs> yeah. like she puts some effort into those things. <laughs> but uh, we didn't mention the, going back to Back to the Future. Uh, Frances Lee McCain is the, plays Billy's mom, and she is also Lorraine's mom in Back to the Future. Oh, I knew she looked familiar. Interesting. She's one of those. She was one of those '80s moms because she was also <laughs> in Stand by Me and Footloose. Oh wow! There, you know, when you say '80s moms, like there's a few of those. Like right, like I maybe it's just the age we were, like in the '80s and '90s, where we remember like all the parents and we think of those actors as moms and dads. But I, I'm with you there. Yeah, yeah. she you saw her quite a bit. So like D. Wallace and. Mary is Mary Ellen Trainer from the Goonies, like just oh, yeah. moms and almost everything <laughs> in the eighties. Yes, yes. Three actresses. <laughs> they, they had a lot of work back then. <laughs> uh, what about you? Uh, any favorite scenes you have? Um, hmm. Let me pick a scene. I probably much like you. Like the the main scenes that I appreciate are the ones with the gremlins themselves um i I know i'm gonna say his name wrong is it mogwai is that how you say the main mogwai mogwai okay i just wanted i was like it's like my brain wanted to say mowgli and so i was worried i was gonna say that wrong but mogwai (laughs) um like he reminds me of like my dog of my little pug and um he's very cute and i really connect with him i really like him and i like that scene where uh the the boy tries to offer him food after midnight and he's like no 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 i'm not gonna eat that and i think i think that's like adorable that he is aware enough to be like i don't want to turn into the evil ones i want to stay me and i want to stay your friend and i just think that's so cute (laughs) i just really like I like all the scenes with him mainly, but I liked that that scene. Well, be- before the child from Mandalorian took over as the world's cutest thing in a in pop culture, I think it was Gizmo way before that. Gizmo yeah. was like the cutest thing ever. Yeah, so I, do I like, mean, they look I do like similar. How he shakes off the chicken. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I think it, it had to have influenced how Baby Yoda looks. Like, I don't know, they look they've got a similar head shape at the very least. 
Get the big, well, we know Gizmo was an inspiration for the Furby back in the 90s, too. Oh, so. gosh. Yeah, you don't even have to see this movie to know that, which is kind of a dark inspiration for those Furbies. <laughs> yeah. A little creepy. Well, and you, say, you talk about how you like how Gizmo wants to be the polite and friendly one, because I guess the original script intent was to have Gizmo turn into Stripe, oh. the head gremlin. I think, I think it was Spielberg said... I think put the kibosh on that because I know you got to have like, he's too cute. Like the fans aren't going to like it, but I remember, I can't remember what the exact, his exact phrasing was, but I know, I think it was Spielberg was like waving the flag. Like you can't have gizmo turn into a gremlin. You got to have like one good gremlin, you know, you've got to have one good one that kind of is on the side of the humans and, uh, you know, sees them as an ally versus all the other ones. So, about the movie theater scene that's another good one too where they're all sitting there watching oh my snow gosh, white of all yes. movies <laughs> i saw snow white in the theaters as a kid you remember back then they were like re-releasing them all the time back before the vault i saw snow white but <laughs> i want to say it was bambi i think i saw bambi and peter pan but i don't think i ever saw snow white i saw bambi peter pan cinderella pinocchio like almost all of them i feel like but um yeah. Yeah, that scene was really great because you get to see like so many of them. <laughs> and it's just an awesome yeah, and like, I, typical and love, horror movie like and, and scene. I love, oh, I do love the fact that he's like, oh, they're watching Snow White and they love it. <laughs> yeah. This movie did so many things right. I do like. Go ahead. It did. Oh, I was going to say, I like the later on in that scene when uh, they're trying to blow up the theater and when the movie stops, you see that the shadow, all the gremlins running towards the screen behind them. I just love that effect too. Yes. That looks so good. It's like a purely terrifying look of all those creatures jumping out of the seats, running towards them. Yes. (laughs) Do you, what do you think about like, okay. So like in the beginning of the movie, uh, the dad is at that um, shop and he sold the, the creature and it's like such a suspect thing. And he just immediately takes it home to his son. I'm just like, what? Like <laughs> movie magic. I know like typical movie logic, but I was like, I, I, I don't know if I would just wrap up a creature in a little box and give it to my son. But I thought that was interesting. <laughs> Well, also, if uh, he doesn't want to sell it, then why does the merchant have it out? Yeah, true. Can see it? True. I think, yeah, it, it feels like it was one of those things where, like, we got to get rid of this thing. But then you feel guilty because of what you know it's going to do. we got to have the Mogwai get into the, the people's hands somehow. So that's exactly. how it is. And the little boy sells it, behind, sells it behind his grandpa's back, which in the movie, in the original cut, we'd like, there's no repercussions for this kid. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> takes the money, but that's why it feels like he's sure passing on a curse, right? Like he's just like, this is your deal. I'm going to spare my grandpa of this and get this out of here. I forgot, like as an adult, I didn't realize the, the gremlin connection to like the, to the war, you know, I don't think I picked up on that as a kid at all. I think the first inclination I got of Gremlins was from the old Bugs Bunny cartoons. Yeah. And they have 
that have that similar thing where they they're messing with the planes and all that stuff. So flash 40 years later, I see this movie and I see the gremlins messing with all these electronics and everything. It's like, Oh, that makes sense. Cause that's what they did in the cartoons. That's what they were there for is to create havoc and all this kind of stuff. So good point. Yeah. Oh. It, it seems kind of weird. And, and I like how they bring that into the war. They have a uh, Dick Miller's character, Mr. Futterman. Bring yeah. That up. Yeah. And also the twilight zone episode with William Shatner and the gremlins. Yeah. <laughs> that's probably my first inkling. Uh, but yeah, that's very true. What's uh what's another scene that you really like in the movie? Um, I going back to the gremlins again is when they're attacking Mrs. Deagle at uh, her <laughs> house when they rig her chair to go flying out of the uh out of her house and I just like the the tease of the Christmas carols are all out there just humming along and I think they're singing even the gremlins theme song they're just humming along to it. I just like I love the look of them in their little snow hats and everything and the deer mouse <laughs> out there just messing with her while the other ones are inside the house uh rigging up her chair so it's like they have a plan so <laughs> you guys you guys create diversion we're gonna do this so it's it's pretty neat I yeah like they're like that, very like clever yeah yeah um they're mischievous they're clever and i think like it, it's a good scary movie for kids because i mean it's got some scare but at the same time they're like little creatures they're like little cute creatures i mean they're not that frightening so you can kind of have the best of both worlds it's a good transition film i think and plus like the fact that the backdrop is christmas and i don't know there's just a lot of fun elements of it um what about do you want to talk about the scene with uh the, the teacher oh with the yeah the guy he's uh, doing the experiments on the one yes after hours <laughs> You're like, man, that's such a bad idea. Like if this, well, if this teacher, so this teacher's that smart. What's he doing teaching at a public school? I know he's got this right? kind of knowledge to do be doing stuff like this. <laughs> Wasting your talents, man. Yeah, for sure. But uh, I didn't remember reading that his his death was supposed to be more gruesome too. He's supposed to have like a ton of needles sticking out of him. Oh my god! Other than just the one that you saw, yeah. They they really toned back because uh, if we can want if you want to get into it, how dark the movie was supposed to be we yeah, touched let's on talk how about that. Gizmo was supposed to be striped but uh, we also they also mentioned how um, I guess originally the Gremlins were supposed to kill Billy's mom oh my gosh. and the dog jeez yeah they talk about a scene where they talk about a scene where Billy comes home and they throw her head down at him when he's running up the stairs or something like that. So basically, it went from a full-blown horror movie to a Christmas yeah. kids movie. <laughs> Interesting journey there. That's all it took. <laughs> yeah, and, but but part of me kind of wants to see that cut just to see what it would have been like. Just, just curiosity. Honestly, same. Because that, that sounds like an interesting movie. It sounds like a good horror movie. To see if it like something like this, like it is kind of a silly premise if you think about it, and and to see if it, you could do it like in a more serious tone. Yeah, I would love to see that. The dad too, uh, played by, or not the dad, but the guy. Oh man, I want to make sure I say the right character. But the actor is Dick Miller. Do you know who I'm talking about? Um, yeah. Yeah, he... Infamous that guy actor. Yes, that's what I was about to say. The guy that you see in like 
every movie. <laughs> I was like, yes. Yeah. So what's fun about watching movies in the 80s is that, like you said earlier, there's like 80s moms and like just this cast of great character actors, especially in a film like this, that they really kind of get to shine in. And the woman that played his wife, I, I forgot to write her name down, but she was also, they were both in the original Little Shop of Horrors together. Oh, I think is her name is Jackie Joseph, I think. Yes, that's yeah, a, okay. New Beginning with a J. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Because I, I saw this before I saw Little Shop of Horrors. So when I saw Little Shop of Horrors, I heard her open her mouth and say that, she still had that same high-pitched voice back in the 60s when she did uh, Little Shop of Horrors. Like, oh, it's the woman from uh, Gremlins. Oh, that's neat. That is hilarious. And, <laughs> and, like, Dick Miller appeared in almost pretty much every Joe Dante film, pretty much. He did a lot for Roger Corman back in the 60s and now up until well, – I think Dick Miller did a lot up until he passed away a few years ago. Yeah, he was in quite a few projects. He was in uh, Joe Dante's segment of the Twilight Zone movie. He's pretty good in that, too. Oh, yeah. It, was it the one with the helicopter? or Ooh, I can't remember which That was uh, uh, John Landis. Oh, okay, okay. Man, I need to see uh, that movie Joe again. Joe Dante was the one who did, like, I believe it was the segment called It's a Good Life, so it's a kid that can transform things with his mind. Oh, the one where, like, uh, he, like, the parents have to be really nice to him because he's so powerful. Yeah, that's the one that Joe Dante did. Okay, okay, okay. I remember that one. Probably my favorite segment of that film, too. Yeah, it was a good one. I I love that movie. Uh, what do you think about the scene with uh, Phoebe Cates talking about why she likes doesn't like Christmas? Oh, that yeah. Scene seems to be like the one scene that catches the most grief. And wh- why do people give it grief? Well, it just seems like it doesn't fit the tone of the rest of the film. The yeah, rest of she the gets... film's kind of a little light and goofy, and it just gets dark. I can see that. I mean, there's a little bit of darkness with like the creatures and that they're evil, but her going into like her awful, you know, family life or whatever feels weird. It's like the movie, like you kind of said, didn't earn that. And also, I don't know. It's just like a lot of explanation about her. And we don't really need that in the movie. Cause she's not like the focus of the movie. If that makes sense. Um, it feels very like, afternoon special like afternoon uh school special or something you know like just kind of snuck in there like someone or like someone's like i want to have a monologue in the movie so i want this part to be in there yeah once you it it, it feels like it comes out of left field yeah almost then but when you hear joe dante defend it how the Christmas can be a dark holiday for people. Okay, I guess it makes a little more sense now when you look at through the those glasses, I guess. I mean, that's but true. If you don't know that going into it, it just seems like it comes out of left field. Yeah, like in real life, um the holidays are hard for a lot of people. It's um, you know, there can be bad memories associated with it, missed loved ones. Like that's understandable. 
but in the context of the film, they didn't really establish that, that reality was going to enter into it. It's a movie about, like, gremlins attacking a town. <laughs> so, like, I, I agree that yeah. it does kind of come out of left field. I didn't know it was controversial says, for that like, reason, worst... though. Yeah, she says, I like, get the worst. I think it was, like, earlier in the film when her and Billy are walking home that she, like, Christmas is like the worst thing that ever happened to her was on Christmas. And then like 20 minutes later, okay, here, here it is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you thought that was the worst thing. Did you by chance notice that Steven Spielberg has a cameo in this movie? I did not. I just found out on Saturday and I was rewatching it that he is in it. What scene? So when, so when Billy's father's at the convention, and he's in the phone booth with uh, Robbie the robot behind him. Oh yeah. Uh, there's a, there's a guy that comes right in front of the camera in an electric wheelchair. That's Steven Spielberg. Oh my gosh, I'm gonna have to look for that again next time I watch it. Yeah, as soon as I started that, I read it like, oh, there he is. And then I, I guess uh, Chuck Jones, uh, artist Chuck Jones, is has a cameo in it too. Wow. I wonder what the connection is with yeah. Chuck Jones. Like, maybe just part of the same studio. Could be, I, if I'm not mistaken, they gave his name, I think it's Mr. Jones, but I think he is the old man that's at the bar next to Billy when he's like showing him a drawing he did at Mrs. Deagle. Oh my god! I'm almost certain that's who that is. Yeah, I was just like, a, 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 it was just a few days ago when I realized that that was Steven Spielberg was in this movie and I've been watching it for better part of 15, 20 years. Yeah, I had no idea. Um, wow. I also read that... Um... You know, like at the start of the movie, uh, in the movie theater, the town is showing um, A Boy's Life and Watch the Skies, which were apparently working titles for E.T. and uh, Close Encounters of the Third Kind. I read that, too. That was pretty neat. We didn't touch on uh, Judge Reinhold being in this movie at all, either. Oh, okay. Yeah, let's talk about that. Well, uh, I read that his role was reduced significantly. Uh, oh. <laughs> he gets just gets those he gets those few scenes in the beginning where he, I guess he keeps Billy from getting fired. Goes and bullies him a little bit at the bar afterwards, which yeah, it's pretty cool that the bank let Billy take his dog to work with him. I know, Plus, I noticed that. I was like, that seems weird. Like everyone's acting like that lady's being crazy, but I'm like, the dog's at the bank. <laughs> like she's not being that unreasonable on some level. Like the dog shouldn't be there. <laughs> it's funny. Yeah. Well, I guess uh, Judge Reinhold, when the gremlins attack, is he locks himself in the vault at the bank and ends up going mad. <laughs> okay. so I feel like he could have gotten a little more of him because they set him up at the beginning like he's going to be some kind of major player. and then Maybe that's all he committed to. <laughs> he was like, yeah. lock me in a vault so I don't have to be in it a ton. <laughs> I got to go do Beverly Hills Cop. Exactly. <laughs> Well, I got for notes, I think. Okay, no problem. Um, yeah, I mean, plus this movie, you know, it's a uh, it's a little shy of two hours. It's an hour and forty six minutes, so I think we t we touched on the highlights for sure. Um, let's see. I was gonna see if there's anything else I wanted to say about the Gremlins. They're just 
Oh, Giz- Gizmo's just so cute. I don't know. <laughs> he is. I, uh, I, it's a, I have a, such a, I always joke that I have this, uh, if I could tell a quick story. Is, oh, sure. Uh, go ahead. Having a history of concussions, um, I have a little sensitivity to bright lights. Oh, gosh. As you see right now, I, I'm sitting in a dimly lit room with my Christmas lights lighting me up. So, oh, gosh. Um, back in 2012, uh, at hitting practice for softball, I got hit in the mouth with a, with a softball. Oh. And I had, I had to go to the hospital to get stitches put in my lip. And the doctor had a light right in my face. And it was just driving me nuts. And I asked the doctor, I go, I go, is there a way you can adjust the lights? I'm, I'm kind of like a mogwai. <laughs> I can't do bright lights. And I think I tried to do the voice. I can't do the voice right now. I've been podcasting too much. But yeah, I'm sorry. You're, you're okay. But he goes, he goes, what's a mogwai? I go, it's the creature from Gremlins. And he just started laughing with the needle like three inches away from my face as he's getting ready to stitch up my lip. No way. That's hilarious. Yeah. I love that you've turned that into something like funny. You're like, bright lights, uh, I'm a mogwai. Like, <laughs> please turn those down. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm like that with this film, too. I used to, uh, I have a gizmo keychain out in my car because it broke off. But <laughs> I, walked, I walked into uh, a gas station one day and the guy goes, is that a gremlins keychain? I go, no, it's a mogwai. <laughs> hilarious so right (laughs) how how did you feel in the 90s about the furbies then i thought they were creepy looking (laughs) they are and Uh, i think especially if you like the movie you're like um (laughs) this could go a certain way i think it was more of the voices in them oh they're annoying my best friend his sister had one i just remember being the creepiest thing ever (laughs) like it kind of reminds me of like an extremely energetic uh teddy ruxpin yeah <laughs> only more demonic only more demonic sounding i think very much so but teddy ruxpin was kind of creepy as well at least now looking back on him uh but as a kid i wanted one really bad um yeah well i think that's all i have i, I don't have like i think I, I the scenes that i like you kind of touched on them already they're like the classic best scenes of the movie so I completely agree with you. Um, so that kind of brings me to my last couple of questions then. Um, if you had to summarize, why do you love this movie so much? Why do you think you've seen it so many times? Well, I think a big part of it is the 80s nostalgia of it. Yes. And and liking those Christmas movies that are just a little outside the box that aren't like strict Christmas movies. Yeah. Um, but I think a lot of it is, it's just um, Joe Dante does such a good balance of combining sort of cartoony with dark stuff. And it's, it's done so well that it's just, I find it entertaining through and through. He finds a good way to balance the dark and the cartooniness of this to stay a, a perfect film and entertaining film to watch. And it's not played over the top. Like these actors could easily be playing at 11 the whole time. And they're not, they're mm-hmm. playing like it's like these creatures are really are taking over our small town, but it's just, a, it's just an amalgamation of like such two things you don't think go together like the cartooniness and the darkness of a film i agree it's got a lot of classic horror and sci-fi uh you know scenes and tropes in it that are i think 
they they play homage to those things really well like we talked about the movie theater scene and i mean just the fact that it's like an invasion and um the creature work is really really good i mean the the creatures look amazing you can tell that they poured a lot of time and money into making them and i think that helps the movie kind of age well um because i think now i mean um we appreciate practical effects a lot i think we talk about that actually a lot on this podcast but also you know back then before they had them it's incredible that they had like so many of these little creatures and they were so movable it, it, they didn't cut corners like you can really tell that um they made sure that they were believable that they were um entertaining to watch it didn't it didn't seem like just a be like standard puppet and i think that helps the movie age better because of that you know obviously you can tell that it's not they're not real but the fact that they're expressive and can move so well it it helps kind of sell the idea of them um and since the movie is all about them it's important that they be you know pretty agile and and believable and i'm a sucker for practical effects too and i think that's another reason why i love it so much and and they go the extra mile to give a lot of these gremlins their own personality. Stripe gets the biggest personality. He stands out the most from the rest of them. But they look at the scene at the bar where some of them are playing poker and they're all dressed up in their different settings or oh, movie yeah, theater. The they, <laughs> like you got the you got the one in the bank robber mask and the one with the ski mask and the gun. You got the one that's doing flash dance. You got the guy who's got his. Uh, this old classic hat on sitting there smoking a cigarette and listening to old <laughs> jazz music or get the one with the 3d glasses on or they give them all, they go out of the way to get more personality they kind of ramp that up too in the uh, sequel they really give a lot of those gremlins personalities too yeah i mean you've, you've kind of got to do that they can't just be creatures they have to have their own little unique personality so you can kind of get a little bit more invested in the story and I, I agree with you about it being just like such an 80s movie. It's definitely a nostalgia bomb. And I think that's a good thing. Um, it, it's almost like, imagine if, oh, well, I, I'll save this actually for my pitch. What is your pitch for showing this to someone that hasn't seen it before? Huh. This was the hardest question I had to think of. <laughs> or the hardest no answer I had to think of. So what it came down to is like, if somebody hasn't seen this movie, I'd ask them, do you like those cheesy, schlocky creature features that you'd see on Elvira or Svengoolie, like uh, Night of the Lupus or Attack of the Killer Tomatoes, but only imagine it done with like a bigger budget scale and done more earnestly? Or, yeah, it still has like this premise that you just, no way this would happen in real life, but but it's played more earnest, it's played straight and not corny and but and with money uh, like something like that i always compare that to like you compare the it miniseries with tim curry to the it films that we got now like mm-hmm. what it could have been with a budget yeah so what some of maybe Absolutely. these so maybe some of these cheesy films you see on the late night horror host shows done with a bigger budget i think that's like the perfect way to describe it um so I, i'm gonna go with that over my pitch my pitch was gonna be um, it's like Stranger Things if the central thing was like these cute little creatures <laughs> instead of, you know, the upside down. It's like it kind of has that vibe, which I mean, obviously, 
Stranger Things is drawing heavily from the 80s and from Steven Spielberg, John Carpenter, you know, from a lot of things, Stephen King. Uh, but it kind of reminds me of that. It's like if you're into those kind of projects, maybe you, you're, you didn't grow up in the 80s, you, you dipped your toe with Stranger Things. Like, I think this would be like a good follow up, you know, um, to kind of one of the things, one of the projects that you could see that I think helped inspire at least parts of it. That that'd be a good pitch too. That'd be the hip thing to pitch him now. I'm surprised. <laughs> hey kids. Didn't like take... <laughs> yeah. Hey, Me trying up, to relate to teens? the youth. <laughs> yeah. What's up fellow teens. Um, We're only in our mid thirties. There you go. There you go. <laughs> I know it's just going to get worse from here. Um, but yeah, no, I, I think that this is a really good Christmas movie to pick because a lot of people love this film. It's got, you know, all the great elements that we talked about and it's a classic, you know, you got to, you got to put that in every Christmas. So definitely check it out. Um, so Jared, this was super fun. Thanks for coming on the show and talking about an awesome movie. Uh, you definitely have to come back, but where can people find you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at QCA underscore Mista spelled M I S T A underscore J. Uh, mostly just find my rambling stuff on there usually it's pictures of my cats because that's what the internet's for it, it is uh, if, if cats didn't already exist the internet would have invented them i can't take yeah. credit for that quote but yeah <laughs> <laughs> i'd love the internet even more there you and go. um you can also find me i co-host a podcast with my co-host melissa called the nerd night nations podcast it's just a genuine geek chat podcast we've had lisa on before talking about Tim Burton and we hope to have her back after the new year to talk yes. about some uh, kids in the hall stuff that'll be so fun and uh, at the time of this recording we have uh, we have our Christmas episodes coming up we just did one on Scrooge and we are going to be recording one with Philip Barker here soon about the comic book uh, Batman Noel and we have one coming up about the comparing the three Grinch films nice so, stay tuned you can get those wherever you find your podcasts or at least on Podbean, uh, Podbean, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. And you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, United Nations Podcast. Awesome. Well, everyone's definitely going to have to check that out. Thanks so much for coming on. Thank you for having me. 